As we stand, let's pray. May I speak in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please sit down. And just while the band find their seats, may I just reassure parents, please don't worry at all if your children make a noise, if they dance, if they run around. It's all part of the entertainment, and I'm only too happy we're family together this morning. Oh, and there's somebody coming in at the door. (laughs) Well, I wonder how many of you were up to see the dawn this morning. Hands? We don't see many. Well, most of us were probably trying, oh, I see one at the back, trying to grab a few more hours sleep despite the clocks going forward. Well, as were the people in Jerusalem when the women went to see the body of their beloved Jesus. And it would really help me if you would find Luke chapter 24, that's page 1061 in your Bibles, because we're going to be following closely the text. Okay. Well, I imagine these women with heavy hearts, each holding their own carefully prepared spices as they make their way through the semi-darkness, through unfamiliar streets, to the tomb where Jesus was buried. You see, these women were not from Jerusalem. Luke makes it clear twice in the previous chapter, that they had in fact followed Jesus from Galilee. Now this is not like saying they followed Jesus from Yarmouth to Norwich. This is more like saying they followed Jesus from Leicester to Norwich, on foot. You see, they had gone up to the Passover festival, but they'd gone to be with Jesus. And then when things turned nasty... Both the Jewish priests and the Roman authorities turned against Jesus. These women stayed with him right to the bitter end. So they saw Jesus die on the cross. If you look back to verse 49, the women who had followed him from Galilee stood watching these things. And then they saw exactly where Jesus was buried. Verse 55, the women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. And now, after resting on the Sabbath, our Saturday, they come on the first day of the week, our Sunday, to finish off the burial process. And along with their spices, they bring their grief, for the loved one that they have been following is no more. But things take an unexpected turn, a scandalous, shocking turn, which makes no sense at all. First, the tomb is wide open. Now, don't imagine here a Western-style grave with the gravestone lifted from the ground and piles of earth everywhere. No, this tomb had been hewn out of the rock like a cave. Jesus' body placed on a shelf inside and a great stone sealing up the entrance. But, verse 2, they found the stone 
rolled away from the tomb. It didn't make sense. Then they go inside, but there is no dead body. Verse 3, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. An empty tomb. That doesn't make sense. Hardly surprising then, verse 4, the women were left wondering about this. Now, the word wonder here means to be disturbed, uncertain, at a loss to explain what their eyes plainly tell them. There is a disconnection. They have no framework for making sense of what they find. The grave is empty. Nor of what they don't find, the corpse of Jesus. Their minds and hearts are reeling. It makes no sense. And if this morning you are someone who can't make sense of why Christians believe in Jesus and what faith is all about, then you are in good company with these women. So let's watch what happens to the bewildered women next. Well, if we had been there at this point, our attention would have turned to two mighty figures, which look like men, but their sudden appearance and their clothes gleaming like lightning suggest they are in fact supernatural beings or angels. They are terrifying. So terrifying that the women cannot even look at them and they bow their faces to the ground. But it's what they say that matters. Look at that, verse 5. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Literally, why are you looking for the one who is living among the dead bodies? He is not here. Well, they could see that for themselves. But why not? He has risen. Literally, he has been raised back to life again. To the angels, everything makes sense. It's obvious the tomb is empty. Why on earth would the living Jesus want to hang around there? You see, it's like a clash of perspectives. To the natural eye, there is an empty tomb where there should be a dead body. To the supernatural eye, there is an empty tomb because Jesus, once dead, is now alive. Well, can the women be helped to make sense of this? Can we? Because it's still a pretty big leap to say empty tomb equals living Jesus. Well, the angels ask the women to remember three things Jesus himself said to them when he was back in Galilee. Look at verse 7. The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. Jesus had foretold exactly what would happen to him long before it actually happened and in another place. 
Now, the women had, of course, seen the first two things for themselves. They had seen Jesus arrested and unjustly tried. They had watched while he was strung up on the cross to die and then buried. And now they are reminded that Jesus had predicted a different end to the story. He would not stay dead, but count Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday, and he would be raised. God would step in and bring him back to life once more. Incredible, wonderful, and possibly true. We don't know how far this made any sense to the women at the time, but they certainly remembered that that's what Jesus had said. And verse 9, they go back and they tell all these things to the 11 and Jesus' other followers. Now, you may be thinking at this point, the words of a few women, not much evidence to go on for believing Jesus is actually alive. So Luke names three of the women for us, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Mary, the mother of James. Now, others at the time would have known these particular women, known that they had come all the way from Galilee to be with Jesus, known that they had been with Jesus in Galilee. And Luke may even have interviewed them since he says he based his gospel on eyewitness accounts. So you see, what they say they have seen has real credibility. But what can we make of it? Well, Luke presents us here with two initial reactions. The first is dismissive. Look at verse 11. The other disciples hear the women out, but they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Nonsense, no sense. It's a sarcastic word. It implies the women were in some kind of state of delirium, so crazy that what they say is totally unbelievable. You see, it's not faith, but skepticism, which marks the initial response from Jesus' followers. Is that you? Maybe members of your family or your friends believe in a living God Believe in Jesus, believe in life after death, and you dismiss it as nonsense. But the fact of the empty tomb is still there. No one found the body of Jesus then, and no one has found it since. And it certainly wouldn't make any sense for someone to steal the body. After all, Jesus' enemies wanted him dead. And Jesus' friends were terrified. So no one would have gained from it. Dismissive. Nonsense. There is another possible response to the empty tomb. And it is ourselves to be open. To be open. Look at Peter. He listened with the others to exactly the same report made by the women, but he chose 
not to stay with the cynics. Verse 12. But Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. He had to go and see for himself. So Peter also checked inside the tomb, another witness. Definitely no body of Jesus. Instead, what he finds are only the strips of linen lying by themselves. Now, that's interesting. Many meters of cloth were used to wrap around a dead body. And here they are left, lying on the shelf. Now, either someone had painstakingly unwrapped the corpse before stealing it, get your imaginations going, which is hardly likely in any circumstances, or the living Jesus just stepped out of them. There is no other logical explanation. Peter is left, verse 12, wondering to himself what had happened. But it's a different kind of wondering. He is astonished. He marvels. Simon Peter has not yet come to believe, but he is open to the possibility that Jesus is alive. And if you would flick over with me to verse 34, he is later there with the eleven, saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. For if Jesus has indeed risen, then he has overcome death and he is indeed Lord. And it is right that we should worship him. The empty cross, the empty tomb are at the heart of the Christian faith. They wonderfully confirm that death is not the end, not the end of Jesus' story and not the end of our story. Jesus has fulfilled his promise to come back to life. And if he came back to life then, then he is still alive today. And you and I can know him as a living reality on a daily basis. For us who believe Today is joy. But if that's honestly not you, may I challenge you this morning not to sit with the scoffers, but to take a but Peter attitude. Examine the empty tomb for yourself. It is unescapably empty. Read through the book of Luke the words and acts of Jesus. It won't take you very long. And ask Jesus to show you personally if he truly is alive. And I would love to hear the journey that takes you on. Let's pray. Just a moment of silence while we let those words sink in. What response is Jesus asking from us?
Lord Jesus, I pray on behalf of those of us who know you and those who don't, that you would reveal that you are truly alive and that we can know you and that we do not need to fear death because it is not the end of the story. Take us on a journey of deeper faith from here, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.